Hey, industrial marketing friends. From Gorilla76, the industrial marketing agency, this is the Manufacturing Marketer Podcast, a show dedicated to all the small marketing teams working at companies that make stuff. We are your hosts, Aaron and Brendan. And today we know trade shows and live events are a big part of marketing for industrial companies. You spend a lot of money and time on them, and it's important to squeeze out every ounce of value that you can from those live events. So today we have a special guest, Moby Hyatt, uh, who will share his insights on utilizing live events such as trade shows and conferences to maximize networking opportunities and create compelling content. Moby has a wealth of experience in this area, having successfully implemented uh, similar strategies at events like South by Southwest. So welcome, Moby. You want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hello. Hello. I'm at, I'm a senior strategist at a company called Gorilla76. Uh, I know you guys have never heard of it, but it's cool. It's a great company. I've been in marketing for about five, six years, and I started off working with startups, then a brief stint training startups for the State Department, and now I'm at Gorilla, and I love this stuff. That's awesome. So a little bit of background, Moby. The reason we asked you to be on the show today is because you ran a really successful content creation and networking strategy at a large live event, South by Southwest. Uh, can you give us a brief overview of what you did there? Absolutely. So South by Southwest is Austin's biggest, biggest uh, conference. And we're talking about millions flood into the city in terms of value and economy, 100,000 plus people come for 14 days. So it's a very busy time. And my job from a startup, and I'll give more details, was to get a lot of very select people to come to event out and choose us outside of the 100 options that they had that very hour. And I ran a content creation focused strategy that got us 109 meetings over seven days and resulted in like 10,000 plus users for that startup. Um, so it worked out really well. Oh my goodness. So what were your goals with this strategy? So you were trying to get meetings. How did you like reach out and get people to engage with you? Yeah. So the positioning for the company that I was contracting for is like, Hey, we want more experts on our space, on our application. We want people who are knowledgeable, like podcasters, speakers, people who make decisions around policy, whether it comes to climate, we want them to be on this app and talk about it. So South by Southwest is a great place for that. And I'll, I'll tell you the little mess behind the marketing. I got a call about five weeks before South by Southwest saying, Hey, we want to fill our podcast rooms. We want to do content. We have a hundred spots. Can you fill it? I'm like, sure. How many spots have you filled? And they're like, one. I'm like, okay, cool. So they're like, all right, we, we just know we want to get these people in. So um, did you ask a question about how it started or the preparation or just the whole gamut of it? Yeah, tell, I was going to ask you next, like what was the prep work you did leading yeah. up to the conference? Yeah, so... The goal there was to get a lot of these people in a specific space, which we call the experts lounge at this event. And they wanted, we wanted them to choose us. What we did was I hired a bunch of VAs from the Philippines and we went through the entirety of the conference websites, a website, uh, went through about 1200 session names with their speakers, with their companies and parsed through that data and got about 700 emails. We're like, this is our target market. So the first part was selecting the target market for this. 
And then the second part was reaching out and getting people to come there. Do you want me to go into that or I can talk about anything else? Because this was one of my favorite projects ever and I can take this in any direction you want. Yeah, yeah. So how how did you reach out? So your objective, you were trying to get these people mm-hmm. into this lounge. You could increase the specific type of user for the startup yep. you were working on. Exactly. And you did that by filling these like podcast room and inviting them to be guests on a podcast, right? Yes. And so, so how did you reach out? 100%. So here was our strategy. We knew that these people were busy. They had so many advice to other things. We wanted to make this... How I think about cold email when it comes to events is like everybody's there. What we can give is give people status and promotion. Everybody wants that. If we hit that, everybody will say, yes, I will come talk to you for 30 minutes. Sure. So I only had two emails, cold emails sent out to these people. Number one was, hey, we have an exclusive invite only lounge where we're doing interviews with people like you. Would you like to come? Three lines, I think. And the second one was like, hey, if you're interested, here's this link to schedule a call with me. And that was it. It was really like a short message with hit on their status and like giving them promotion and saying you'll give content and also giving them a chance to also select a time and or talk to me beforehand. So before the conference, I had about 50 people, 50 meetings with people just to be like, this is what you expect. This is what's going to happen. So that was the prep time of it, sending a bunch of emails after validating them and writing really clear copy in the emails to make it seem like this is what you want to be doing. And they did come, surprisingly. And so, Moby, what was the result? What was the impact of that content you were able to create? Yes. So once we booked these people through multiple Canly links, we actually had to go and hire a team of interviewers because we did not know we had to get so many people. We did that. And then we were live streaming almost every single interview in the space itself. And then there was a production team of about 10 people who were constantly taking that content and pushing that on the app itself. I've got smaller versions that I can talk about, which are more realistic for industrial company. But we were constantly using that content, pushing it out and promoting it everywhere we could. LinkedIn, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, the app itself. And the result was 100,000 people through word of mouth and marketing joined the app in the next seven days. And that was, I think, a 200% increase in daily active users after South by Southwest, which was great. And we had a budget of, you know, a couple of thousand after the space. So it worked out really well. So obviously this strategy that Moby's talking about at, at South by Southwest was really effective, but it's on a much larger scale than you would probably be trying to achieve at like an industrial trade show or or an industrial live event. Um, But I think the same basic strategy could still be applied at at maybe a smaller scale. Um, I think the probably the biggest difference is that your company as an industrial marketer is likely exhibiting at the show, which means your product and your subject matter experts are all in one place. So, Moby, what kind of additional opportunities do you think that creates for content creation? Yeah, I would say that it's content creation and especially getting people on video is two things. Number one, everybody wants to do it. So it makes people feel good when you invite them to an interview. Everybody wants to be interviewed. Number two, it is a huge leverage point because you can get into doors that otherwise would be closed to you. Like if I reached out to somebody cold 
at a trade show and said, I want to meet with you, they'd be like, who are you? But if I say, I want to interview you, here's a few examples I've done. They'd be like, oh, cool. Maybe I'll talk to you. So here's how I think about trade shows specifically. If you're going to an event, you can have one of two goals. You can have them both. Number one, connect with other companies who are exhibiting because you have a public list of them. Or number two, with the speakers. You have to decide on when, which of these segments, if not both, does my company benefit if I build long-term relationships with them? Because the great part about this is if you know a little bit of data and like you use a tool like Aaron, I know you love Apollo. Apollo's amazing. Um, if you can build a list of people who are exhibitors or people who are speakers and you want to build relationships because it helps you in the long run, you can simply get their data and invite them to do an interview on the street with literally a $500 camera or even your phone at $200 of audio equipment and two people. I did that again for me personally at South by Southwest 2023. And I got so many meetings as a person because I was just networking that I got burnt out and I canceled 60% of them because I was like, this is way too much. Um, so long story short, if you want to get connected at a trade show with the speakers because it helps your business or number two, um, the exhibitors, you can find a list of them, use a tool like Apollo, find their email and start inviting them to like a, hey, I would love to share your story in a three-minute TikTok or a 10-minute audio episode. doesn't matter. It will work. Mm -hmm. And I think another group of people that's usually at trade shows that could be beneficial to kind of network with and use for content creation is some of those industry publications, right? Yeah. Like sometimes they're the ones putting on the event, but a lot of times like um, I used to work in packaging. So like cheese magazine or like poultry magazine would be there. Um, and those are great interviews to set up. Like you could offer up your, your subject matter experts for like, kind of like free press PR, um, in that situation too. Absolutely. The other one that's out there. Am I still muted? No. Okay, good. Um, so the other one that we haven't talked about is like at the trade shows, your customers are there. Uh, so you could set up a little recording booth inside your booth, right? Like a table with a couple of microphones, maybe a little external PA system. So people near your booth can hear the conversation that you're having. And you do a live show in the booth that you record and put out Absolutely. on the socials and on the website later too. Um, yeah, I think there's a ton of opportunities here. And I, Moby, I love the, what you're talking about at the beginning on how you were booking meetings early with people. You do the same thing here. Like, you know, most of the customers that are going to be at the show, you know, the other exhibitors, you know who's speaking, right? So you can do a lot of this legwork in the front end to make sure that you have people that you can talk to and record going into it. But then maybe you have a couple of leftover slots where you talk to people as they're coming to the booth or, you know, you're interacting with people. You you invite them on the stage, you know, just on the spot. Agree. Mm -hmm. And I feel like people are talk about, oh, it's going to cost us so much. A lot of the most popular videos on the planet are videos taken by a phone and maybe somebody has a mic or not. Like yeah. when we think about LinkedIn videos, Instagram reels, TikTok shorts or whatever that is, you can point a camera at two people who maybe have an external mic and that's all you need. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I also think the one thing we haven't touched on is the benefit of like having your equipment there on site. Like we've talked a lot about like podcasting, audio content, some video. But there's also, I think, good opportunities for uh, visuals. You could run like a demo. I see a lot of really great like product videos where it's like 
an engineer standing by the machine before the show opens. So it's not like super crowded. And he or she is just walking you through a demo on this machine. And it's so authentic in the moment. And it's just great because that piece of equipment is clean. It's well displayed. You have materials to run on it. I think that's another good opportunity when you're at a show or a live event. Agree. Absolutely. So, Moby, if you were to run a similar strategy for an industrial company, what would your goals and objectives be um, at a live event for content creation? 100%. So I would think of it in terms of two lines of goals. Number one, content. Number two, relationship. Relationships, actually, relationships are actually more important. I would say content comes second. What I would think about is what relationships does my company need to succeed at this event or six months down the line, 12 months down the line, what relationships can I build from this event? And I would think about speakers and I would think about um, exhibitors. And if you have a public list, you can say, these are hundred companies. If I could actually have a relationship with 20 of them, 30 of them, 50 of them, five of them, and they remember my name and they actually become kind of my, they become contacts or friends. That is a big win. So I would think about number of relationships even if it's small, quality matters here more than quantity. And then content, I would just think about like, if you're having 35 conversations, one video per conversation, that's more than, that's great. That's perfect. You don't have to go full Gary Vee and have 75 videos from one event. Uh, you're busy as a marketer. You don't have time to outsource or edit all these videos. I would just do only a few videos, maybe one video per interview. And from there, just come the execution of like, once you, you know the work, and we can talk about the work to do, but once you do it, you will walk out with a lot of pieces of content you can drip out for the next three months. And you will walk out with 35 people in your target market for relationships that like you and kind of know you, and they will talk to you more and more now. Anything you'd add, Brendan? Yeah, I think this kind of goes back to event strategy. And, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, running trade shows and how they can be a big money pit. I think this is one way to add more value to the event, right? Like you're bringing the marketing team in, you're bringing equipment in, you're bringing your sales team in, uh, You maybe you bring in some application engineers. Like, I think this is a great way to say like, you know, we're going to rent, you know, especially if you're exhibiting yourself, right? I get a 10 by 10 booth or a 10 by 20 booth or whatever it is that, that costs a lot of money. Plus all the other costs that go into running the trade show. I think if you can also say like, since we're already there, let's use this as an opportunity to create content that would be really difficult for us to replicate, you know, when we're back at the office, um, right? Like you can go and like have your sales team do a demo in your lab or inside on your manufacturing floor. Um, but is it going to be a better video than what you probably get at Rachel? Probably not. Um, you know, your customers are all there at one point. Your distributors are there at one point. Uh, other influencers in the industry are there. So I think it's just a great opportunity. Like that to me is the beauty of the trade show, right? Is there all the people that are the who's who are at that trade show? I think you're doing a disservice if you're just sitting in the booth trying to sell something, right? I think like what we said, right? Like this is a great way for you to build relationships. Like you can help provide value to these other people, right? Like I'm going to take this video, this interview. I'm going to use it on my marketing streams, but I'm also going to give it to you and you can yep. use it on yours. Right. So now you're talking about like giving your marketing legs outside of your network um, and you're building up that trust and that relationship with the person that you talk to. Um, so I think if you're 
not doing this, I think you're doing yourself a big disservice uh, and you're not getting the entire value you can get out of a trade show um, if you're not creating content there. Agree. And you become the talk of the conference. I remember when we were doing the South by Southwest big push, uh, the CEO that hired the COO who hired me went to a different super connectors meetup or something. And he came back and said, so I went to the event and somebody said, Hey, have you heard of this guy who's inviting me to an interview? And he showed the COO my email and was like, Oh, I want to think I want to go to this. The word of mouth really spreads about you doing something. And um, Aaron, I think you talked about like serendipity and just inviting some people. I remember South by Southwest one time we had a studio. This was not this time we were talking about, but I saw a guy with a nice white hat at a bar. I was like, dude, nice hat. He's like, yeah, thanks. We had a conversation. He was head of marketing for a TV a set of TV channels. And I said, I can interview you tomorrow at 10 a.m. He's like, cool. And we did an interview next morning. And it was great. And I feel like if you go, like Brendan said, with the equipment and you're ready, you can really walk up to a booth and let's say a big VP is there that you do want to connect with. You can just be like, do you want to interview with us for two minutes? And they will say yes. Yeah. And even if they don't, it it didn't cost you anything to ask. Exactly. Right? And you can ask a bunch of people, right? Um, but I think that's a really good point of like, you just got to put yourself out there sometimes. Um, but one thing that does help is preparing a lot. You yeah. can do a lot of these conversations ahead of time. So let's talk a little bit more about the prep work. Um, what do you need to do up front to be able to create good content at a live event? Yeah, agreed. So there's a lot of moving pieces because you've got lots of people who might want to interview. You've got equipment. You've got to get those meetings booked. So I would say prep work, I think there's two elements. Number one is pre-event work to get the meetings booked is a list of people who you want to reach out to. Really good data validation from a tool like Apollo. Then if you're sending emails, just make sure you're not sending, you know, 100 emails in an hour. Don't spam people. And then a scheduling tool. If you're going and pre-booking people, which is a great idea because people want to know where they're supposed to show up, a scheduling tool like Canly is pretty good. Once you're there, I would say a minimum viable recording equipment. That's all you need. And then post is you want to make sure that you can actually do something with that content. If you have 10 hours of content, that's a lot. You likely will not be able to go through it. You need to have a team which is equipped to actually go through it, edit it, and make something out of it. Otherwise, you've built these relationships on the basis of we're going to give you content, but you come back and you cannot deliver on it that relationship's kind of got slightly burnt. So you need to be able to deliver on the promise of, I'm going to take your time and interview you and I'm going to make you feel good, but I'm also going to send you content at the end. You need to be able to do that. Also, it's a great way to say, what's your email? Can I email you with the content? Yeah. And that's a good point, Moby. Like you don't want to end this trade show with like 10 hours of footage you have to sift through. I think there's a balance between capturing, you know, like putting enough sand in the sandbox so that you mm -hmm. can make castles, but also not having a, a ton of sand that you have to deal with. Right. Um, so be, I think, intentional about what you record um, and try and just don't don't be perfectionist about it. Right. Uh, like it can be really authentic. It can not have a ton of editing. Um, but I thought that was a good point. 
yeah, just get it out. And like, I don't think it has to be as complicated as Moby might be making it out to be, right? Like, your 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 event at South by Southwest is a lot bigger, right? So like, there's yep. a lot of extra prep work. I think for like an industrial marketer, right? Maybe you only need to talk to your customers, right? If you are at the like, if you have your own booth, like maybe you just reach out to your customers and say like, I'd love to have a five minute conversation with you that we record. Like, it doesn't have to be this long thing. It can be pretty quick. Um, but I think quick hits are super valuable, right? And you're like, you, that's still like five minutes is enough for you to cut something up and get a couple of nice 30 second clips yeah. out of. Um, so it doesn't have like, it could be this pretty grassroots, but I think to the point is like, just know what you want to get out of the content, figure out who you want to talk to and what you're trying, like, what is that message that you're trying to say? Um, I think having those things in addition to what else you said, Moby, I think will set you up well for a conversation. But like, and to Aaron's like, if you know you want to demo your equipment, do you have electricity to your uh, your demo equipment? Do you have utilities, uh, mm -hmm. power? Like, do you have a good place where you could take it? Like, is your booth in a place where you can get a good shot of your equipment from? You know, like some of those things, like way before, you know, like the year before the show, like when you're, you know, starting to build out your trade shows, yep. like where are you going to put your booth? Is it in a place where you can do some recordings? Uh, so think about that kind of stuff as you're you know, doing the logistics of the show. Mm hmm. So you mentioned like some of this things you're maybe going to be thinking about like a year out when you're like just starting to plan. How far out from a show would you recommend uh, starting to reach out to your customers and ask them to schedule these interviews? Great point. I would say if you already know the people that you're going to reach out to. Two months, one to two months, not before that, uh, if you know they're going to be there. Um, if you're talking to speakers, a month is fine. I've done it seven days before too. It works. Well, it's not like you did it like a day before at the bar. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That happens too. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like literally it's happened where we've got a podcast studio and somebody walks up to me and says, this person is cool. You should have somebody interview them. And we ended up doing that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, I think there's something there that like maybe keep some openings available for some yeah. opportunities. Don't just like, you know, if maybe it's good to book yourself out completely, but maybe it's like, oh, man, we had this really interesting conversation with this person that might be worth a recorded conversation. But if you're completely yeah. booked out or you don't have time or you don't have the equipment, it's going to be difficult to do that. So that's very sure. Something to think about. We had a, a executive director from Goldman Sachs pop up in the expert lounge and we're like, we need to interview this person. And thank God we had a space. Otherwise, we would have missed that opportunity. Yeah. And just to let you know that when if you're an industrial mar industrial marketer or you're, it's a younger company and thinking about I can't reach out to people who work at bigger companies. We had people from Goldman Sachs, Citibank, mm. uh, Dell, Apple, Siemens, Harvard Business Review come in because they're like, oh yeah, I'll interview, I'll get interviewed. Yeah, I'll yeah. love that stuff. Mm -hmm. I also think as the marketer, you kind of like. If you're reaching out to customers, maybe you want to work with your sales team. Actually, I would 100% recommend uh, working with your sales team because they're also probably trying to schedule meetings uh, with your customers while they're at the show. Um, but also as the marketer, if you're reaching out to like maybe some influencers in the industry or like speakers at the event, you kind of have the advantage of like not being a technical expert, right? Like you can say, hey, I'm a marketer in the space. I work for such and such. And I want to learn more about this and create some content around it for our company, but also, you know, for the betterment of our industry. Like people are really like 
they want influence and um, kind of attention for their personal brand, right? But people also like to help other people. And I think that's something we forget about um, as marketers. That is true. That is true. And you don't need to offer a gift card. Please don't. Moby is on record as anti-gift card. (laughs) For some, yes, for some applications. So after the event, uh, we talked about the types of content you can create mostly probably like some audio or some video content. Um, what are the ways you can repurpose this and get the most out of it? Uh, make sure you go check out a repurposing episode on TMM. Uh, mm-hmm. Me and Aaron did a nice little deep dive on how we've done some repurposing for content here at Gorilla. So I think that can help you give some more technical inf- insight, but Moby, I'd love to hear your take on how do you do this for like, you know, some of these micro interviews. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's two things to do. One, number one, repurp- repurposing. And honestly, Thoughts about keeping it going. So repurposing, uh, it depends. on If you're really strapped for time, I love this tool. I don't know if you guys have played with it. Descript? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Absolutely. I just love this. Uh, you can easily use a tool like Descript or something like Opus Pro, which uses, you know, this thing called AI. Oh, my God. To, like, make clips for you. It's really, really cool. So I would say with now, you can turn an hour of content into multiple clips in a few hours yeah and then you can use that for your blog post you can use that as quotes you can use that as video you can use that as podcasts you can use it for multiple things one piece of content can turn into so many things it really depends on what you want to do it i wouldn't go crazy unless you have a team to do it so you can make video audio blog posts all of it and social media stuff the other thing is if you're not going to an event or you have an event a year from now you can still reach out to these people and invite them to an interview, just like on this podcast. For a software company, they hired a lead gen agency to get them meetings. And after four months, they got zero meetings. So I talked to the CEO and I pitched him a program. And we got them 30 meetings with CTOs of venture-backed startups saying, yeah, I'll talk to you. Because all we did was like, hey, you want to join our podcast? People love this stuff inside and outside of trade shows. So this is something you can use outside of trade shows as well. Totally. So how might you use this content in campaigns and other marketing efforts? Ooh, that's a great point. Um, so I, it depends how intentional you are. First off, if you're going to use somebody else, you probably need to sign, have them sign something if you're going to use them in an ad. That's very important. Number two, you have to think about are the questions that you are asking going to give you conversations actually you can use in campaigns. So you might have to center those questions in your interviews to around your product or about your industry. And you have to make sure that you um, get permission. Or you could be very intentional about your product and have something, have the entire video be around your product and people interacting with it. For example, there's a company called Free Water. Have you guys heard of it on TikTok? No. It's a local company. The company's model is this. The water is free. They give free water. And how do they pay for it? They have ads on Mm. top of the bottle. That's it. And the company has blown up because all their marketing is the founder and CEO going outside in hot, hot Austin and giving out free bottles and recording the conversations. Mm. I thought of this funny thing, which is like, this is not industrial. But if you're selling, you know, have you seen the picture of the rock with the black turtleneck chain? Oh, yeah. yeah. If big fanny pack. If you're selling those. You go to a trade show and you call it 
packs and snacks or snacks and packs. And you just give people packs with snacks in it and you record that. And that's your content. Yeah. Uh, you could literally use that in ads all day long. It really depends on how uh, intentional you are from the start and think about it before you film or before you think of the questions or before you think of the format. I do think though, like if you're looking at a demand gen strategy, there is a place for conversations like this, even if they don't focus on you being the expert. I think yeah. you bringing in other experts and just talking about where the industry's at and you know what problems and solutions your audience is going through and looking for. I think there's a place where you can build your brand and build trust in the company that you are and the solutions that you offer through conversations like that without being like, this is my product. Agreed. Uh, I think having having some of those maybe higher level discussions could be good ads. Um, so, but it doesn't also have to be ads either. Like these are things that could live really strongly on your organic TikTok, your organic LinkedIn, your organic Facebook, Instagram, um, and maybe, you know, the best of the best are the ones that you move into campaigns. Yep. Um, yeah, maybe like, I think you're going to create a lot of assets out of this. So you're probably not going to do ads to all of them. But I think there's definitely a place where most of these probably go up on the organic side, you know, email, the website, that sort of thing. But yeah, the ones that kind of really cement your place and where you think the industry's at or where your company's at or your product, those ones I think get moved into ads and kind of tell your greater story to your audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think while you're talking to your customers, you're talking to them for like five minutes. If you ask them a quick, like, one question before you go, like ask them about your product, your company, just for like a quick testimonial. That's great social proof too, without yeah. making the whole thing feel just like transactional. You just want a testimonial from them, you know? Agree. I agree. For example, if I'm in a, I'm a financial services startup and I'm in a trade show and I get to interview somebody from, I'm just going to use JP Morgan Chase and I use that in an ad the people who watch that ad are going to be like, oh, they're associated with a bigger company. That gives them a lot of social proof. Yeah, totally. So it can be used like that as well. Yeah. Awesome. So how would you continue to measure the impact of the content you've created? So I would say the it, de it depends on how intentional you are. Um, and I know the answer, it depends, kind of sucks. That's what my immigration lawyer always says to anything I ask him. Oh. It depends. <laughs> you probably love that, huh? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's true. So if you are very intentional about the people that you are talking to, let's say you were you are doing demand gen and ABM, and the people that you're talking to in these interviews are your accounts, I would say keeping a track of the conversations you're having and any inbound that is coming from these accounts in the next year. I wouldn't ever say measure this for the next two weeks and let's see how many leads you get. I wouldn't look at it that way. I would say look at the next 12 months and see what conversations or inbound come from these accounts if they are your right target market and you spoke to them. What about you, Brendan? How yeah, would you? I'm, I think for these, I'm looking at engagement, right? Like how are like once I get these things distributed, am I getting engagement off of these? Is there a positive reaction? Um, is there a negative reaction? Um, yeah, I just trying to like, what, what is resonating with the audience? So the next time I can go and do more of that. Yeah. And I think like engagement would apply to when you distribute it both organically and yeah. in like a paid setting, um, that'll tell you a lot. I also think there's probably a lot of good internal uses for this content, right? Like if it yeah. is a really nice demo of your product or it's an interview with your customer talking about a project you did together. 
that's a great follow-up for your sales team to use. So like, I think continuing to check in with them, like, Hey, I send this video out all the time. Like, I wish I had five more of these. Mm -hmm. Um, that can be really good feedback as well. Yeah. Um, well, Moby, the last thing I wanted to ask you, you talked a lot about, um, some of the benefits of like the personal connection. So like, what could you get out of this as like the marketer, the individual, like from a networking perspective? Oh yeah. That's a great question. I think Having FaceTime with other people in your industry, just if you're ever, if you stay at that company, you're going to have connections with other people who might be in your customers, who might be your customer accounts. But uh, selfishly, if you're a marketer working in a company and you're still looking to be in that industry for the long haul, you just made 20 more connections with pretty high ups in companies in the same industry. And if you're going to play the long game, which you should, you probably will know these people for the next one, two, three decades professionally. You're on their LinkedIn. If you're if you're posting on LinkedIn, they will see you. They will remember you. If you keep in touch, they will remember you. And it's just great for partnerships, new job opportunities, or even just having deeper connections with people that you kind of like. I think it also just helps you learn more about your industry and be better at your job, right? Like I always loved uh, when I worked in-house talking to like our partners, um, or some of the like reporters from those industry publications, um, cause they just have a different perspective than you do from like working in just your company. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. And I don't think we can ever measure the real value ROI on relationships when, um, the pandemic hit, I got laid off. So I did, Oh, I said, Oh, I'm going to do the logical thing, you know? turn down job offers and have an online conference. So I did that. I hosted an online conference in six weeks, had 80 speakers uh, all around, like how to go online as a business. And I didn't know what would happen from it, but these relationships that I had built by hosting the conference, 17 of them became either students for my courses or customers down the line. So you never know what's going to happen, but all you can do is build relationships and touch points in an industry. Yes, absolutely. So covered a lot today, talking about live events, content creation, networking. Um, we talked a little bit about some of Moby's past experience, um, how it could be applied to the industrial setting from, you know, prep before the event, how you would repurpose and measure results after the events. Um, Moby, how can folks get connected with you uh, if they want to talk later? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn as Moby Hayat. My background would likely be blue. Um, I'm the guy who talks about demand gen, just like everybody else at Gorilla. Or you do go to Gorilla and you will find under people Moby and there I am. Nice. Brendan, do you want to invite people to Industrial Marketing Live? Yeah. Uh, so we just kicked off our 2024 season. I don't know. Um, I think we're in our third year now. Uh, so yeah, IML, Industrial Marketing Live is the place that industrial marketers hang out to learn about how to do their jobs better. Uh, we meet on the first and third Thursdays of every month at 10 a.m. Central Time. Uh, we just did our episode on Google Ads, Google Ads 201, uh, and we had a lot of really good tactical deep dives into how to run Google Ads. Uh, we have a lot of good episodes coming up that we've planned out for the first quarter. Uh, I'm sure we're going to have good plans moving into the rest of 2024. Uh, but make sure you go to industrialmarketinglive.com to register for that event. It's just a regular Zoom event. We hang out in a Zoom room and we get to see each other's faces and the chat's fun. Uh, and people just get in there. They learn about doing demand gen for industrial marketing and create relationships and find other people that are in the same spot in their career as them. 
And we have a uh, Slack channel that goes with that community too. So even outside of that first and third Thursday of the month, people are asking questions, giving advice, sending funny memes, uh, things like that. So if you want to join Industrial Marketing Live, go to industrialmarketinglive.com and register. Uh, if you want to join that Slack channel, reach out to literally anyone who works at Gorilla, me, Brendan, Moby. We're all on LinkedIn. Our DMs are open. Uh, and We can get you added to that. And it's free. All that's free. Uh, all we just need is your email address so we can send you the invite. Yeah. Awesome. Any other parting thoughts from today? No, Moby, thank you so much for joining us. I think this is your first time on The Manufacturing Marketer. So I appreciate you uh, lending your expertise and, uh, you know, running through, you know, micro events and in, in interview strategies at, at bigger events. So I uh, just appreciate your expertise and, and being on the show with us. I feel like I finally belong in this company. I made it. <laughs> He's in. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Thanks.